0: Okay, Roxy, if our moms, Karen and Sharon, were here. Love them. If they were here, they knew nothing about Twitter. What words would you use to describe it?
1: Well, since we're talking to our moms, I guess I would say a total crap storm.
0: Mm, That seems a mom-appropriate phrase. So I came up with three adjectives. Okay. Chatty, addictive, and angry as heck fire
1: (laughs) angry Mm, hopefully no one describes our podcast like that
0: i mean i'd be okay with like chatty and addictive
1: addictive yeah
0: Mm. we want people to listen and like Mm -hmm. not be able to stop listening but i don't think we've really gotten angry yet
1: well just wait until we do our special episode on mark driscoll
0: (laughs) i think someone might have beaten us to the punch From Religion News Service, this is Saved by the City, a podcast from two single Christian women making our way in New York and trying not to be glued to our screens. I'm Caitlin Beatty. And I'm Roxy Stone.
1: Here on Saved by the City, we explore how faith can flourish in the heart of God. So we really are starting season two with some Christian royalty.
0: I feel like we set the bar pretty high with the first episode hosting the queen of Christian pop, Amy Grant. And this week, we have the king of weird Christian Twitter. Before we get to our conversation with Matthew Pierce, though, it's probably good to describe what weird Christian Twitter or hashtag WCT even is.
1: Or maybe we should even just back up and say what's Twitter besides A heck oh, fire boy. and a crap storm. You <laughs> want to take a stab?
0: Well, it's a social media platform that started, gosh, it's 15 years old. It started Whoa. in 2006. It was like, I know. Well, so at the beginning, it was essentially like microblogging. Mm-hmm. And it was after Facebook. It was before Instagram. And it was basically just this public forum where users could share these short messages or link to articles. Initially, all the tweets had to be no longer than 140 characters. Now they've bumped it up to 280. But the idea is like micro thoughts and opinions. (laughs) And it started out nice, kind of.
1: I really liked it. And in part because it it was just words like it was, you know, there, there wasn't like the pressure of like a photo and all of this. And there wasn't a pressure of writing like a whole blog post. So it kind of seemed like at first it was just this fun, like, here's what I'm up to today or here's what I'm thinking or here's this cool article I read. It has taken a turn over the years. <laughs> and Indeed. It's definitely a hotbed these days of high velocity debate. Some toxic anger and a lot of trolling.
0: Yeah, it's almost like at the beginning of Facebook where people would post like, I'm going to have dinner with my mom tonight. Mm -hmm. And it was just like a nice life update. And now it's like people debating the vaccines, you know, or just something super intense and contentious and anxiety producing.
1: So we're making it sound really bad. Like if you were not on Twitter, why would you get on Twitter right now?
0: That's a really good question. I mean, personally... I feel like I kind of have to be mm-hmm. on because I Same. both want and need to know what the conversations are in the church and different religious communities. I want to stay informed. I feel like it's a good place to start for getting the news.
1: It's actually become one of the places where a lot of news originates, like it happens on Twitter. Right. Which is a weird development in journalism where mm-hmm. now. In a lot of articles, you're like, and then this person tweeted this. Right. And then he responded with this tweet.
0: Yeah, it's become accepted as a legitimate form of public discourse. And a lot of Mm -hmm. news breaks on Twitter as well. Mm -hmm. Because it's so instantaneous. Right. And so if you're in journalism, which you are full time, it's like, okay, this can be really intense and people can be really nasty to each other. But... I need to be on here to know, like, what's going on so I can report on the news.
1: Yeah. And you kind of have to be on there a lot because the news goes by fast on there. That's another thing about it is it's like it's just a constant street.
0: Right. I will say I like it because it often makes me laugh. There's currently Mm -hmm. a good mix in my timeline of debate and political news coverage with, like, people being really silly or clever. And that just brings some levity to the news cycle. I have also learned a lot
1: on Twitter. Like, Mm. I hear from voices on Twitter that I wouldn't have heard from in the past, Mm -hmm. that, you know, wouldn't have been given platforms or wouldn't have been interviewed in articles. You know, people talk a lot about the democratization of media that social media has done for us. And it really is true. Mm -hmm. It does not allow things to stay under the rug Mm -hmm. in the way that it did in the past. And that has certainly made a big difference. And it's brought more than a few people down.
0: So despite all of this, though, we're still on it. We are. Not just because we need to be, but I think we get enjoyment out of it.
1: Some days for sure. And some days... (laughs) I want to throw my phone across the room.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or into the East River. Yeah. Well, I I do find that it's a place where people from really specific backgrounds or with really niche interests can find each other.
1: Yeah. If
0: you have an interest or a passion or a background that's like super specific and nobody in your day-to-day community really gets it, you'll find your people. On like Twitter. your
1: like your bird watching community.
0: <laughs> yes, there is a definitely a bird watching. We call it Tweeter. It's called Tweeter? I mean it should be. <laughs> I just made that up. But like any odd niche interests you have, you'll find people who have it on the internet.
1: <laughs> Including Christians. The oddest of us all. <laughs>
0: odd, odd birds.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a Christian. World on Twitter. And well, there's more than one Christian world on
0: Twitter. Yes. But definitely when stuff comes up about the kind of Christianity we grew up in, I feel this like personal investment in the conversation. And that's not always good because sometimes I want to stay out of the drama and I'm not always successful at that. No,
1: I'm sucked into it on the regular. And you know Christians use Twitter to debate everything from yoga pants to gender roles to the existence of hell. One of the most famous tweets in evangelical history is when John Piper tweeted, "Farewell, Rob Bell." Such a burn! It was such a burn, and it it has lived on.
0: Oh my gosh! I mean, it is kind of amazing that tweeting three words from this like famous pastor theologian could be like a watershed. You know, but I think that's also part of the appeal too is that you'll see like well-known Christian leaders engage with Mm -hmm. the normies out there. You know, like very occasionally Beth Moore will respond, and that makes me I'm like oh my gosh Beth Moore (gasps) she's in the room like she's she's like (laughs) she joined the conversation
1: it is fun to see their personalities like not just like the thing that they have curated to show us but that sort of like spontaneous interaction that you get on Twitter it's a lot of fun sometimes Well, our guest today, Matthew Pierce, king of weird Christian Twitter, has definitely been helping us embrace the absurdity of our very strange era and do a lot of laughing at ourselves and our admittedly strange subculture (laughs) of evangelical Christianity, especially youth groups.
2: I think God gives us humor as a gift for the valleys, and when things get really dark, humor is one of the things that helps us and I think I came out of that valley and had more humor than when I started let's just put it that way
0: <laughs> our conversation with Matthew is coming right up after we give a warm shout out to the patrons who make all of this possible
1: religion news service is an independent award-winning source of global reporting on religion spirituality culture and ethics
0: for the best in global religion reporting visit religionnews.com
1: and if you like what we're doing at Save by the city tell us Rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Positive reviews make a big difference and help people find our podcast.
0: You can also email us at sbtcpodcasts at religionnews.com or follow along on Twitter, obviously, which would be very fitting, at hashtag saved by the city.
1: Before we get to Matthew, We wanted to talk to a fellow lady journalist
0: who is something of an expert on social media and spirituality. Kate Shelnut is senior news editor at Christianity Today magazine and has written a lot about the joys and the pitfalls of Twitter and social media more broadly.
1: Speaking of, she's a great follow, by the way, at Kate Shelnut, S-H-E-L-L-N-U-T-T. We thought we'd have Kate explain weird Christian Twitter to the uninitiated.
0: Thank you so much for joining us, Kate.
3: Thanks. It's kind of funny for this to be like the first thing for me to say is like, oh, my first introduction to your listeners maybe is to talk about weird <laughs> Christian Twitter because I did have some people at church who I met and they were like, oh, we recognize you. We, we've heard of your name. And I thought, oh, are you a subscriber to Christianity Today, <laughs> like people from church? And they're like, no, we read Matthew Pierce's <laughs> blog. And I was like... Oh, wow. Oh, no. Okay. (laughs) That's a very specific way in which to know me uh, and know my work, because I've shown up as like a a joke, a punchline or whatever. Really? Yes. He wrote some sort of fanfic that involved Justin Bieber and maybe the end times, and also in the the tweets of the year and stuff. Uh, CT Women was a tweet of the year. Yeah. And maybe something that I said was a tweet of the year.
1: Congratulations on that, by the way.
3: Yes. I, I'm surprised I don't have it on like my bio these days uh, that I was a, a winner and a finalist. But yeah, so kind of a funny topic, but also totally apt. I I oversaw social media for CT for a while and, I, and I'm super active on it. I think that besides Matthew, when weird Christian Twitter started to crystallize in my mind as a thing was around, I saw all these people asking about baptizing baby Yoda <laughs> after the Mandalorian came out. And there were so many people who were talking about it. I had not seen the show, but I messaged like our team and I was like, is this really a, a plot line? Do we have to do a story about like, if they're <laughs> baptizing baby Yoda? And, I was, and then I realized, oh no, this was just like 30 different, again, theologian type people, guys on the internet, Twitter people who all were in on this joke back and forth of the theology of baptizing baby Yoda. And that's kind of an example of what, weird Christian Twitter is. It's, it's people who, like in any niche, are operating from kind of the same reference points, the same things we can talk about. We can make reference to the theology of baptism and whether you are a paleo-baptist or a Baptist by confession or creed. Who can yeah. reference different people? Who can show different symbols and and use those as a platform for humor and jokes? Um, the same way I think it would happen in a lot of mm-hmm. subcultures, but in very few cultures like that. If you're in another kind of niche community, I think does it have such a um, such a lifelong thing where like these people have like decades of references, right, from their earliest Sunday school days to you know, youth group and church and Christian college, that it's a whole lifelong lifestyle in which you can pull from. And there is so much legitimately ridiculous about it. It's like Mm -hmm. endless fodder. And so once you embrace that, one, it's, I think there's so much funniness Mm -hmm. and weirdness to go to. And then there's also a lot of uh, places that maybe need the subversion, the kind of gentle poking that isn't the really strained form of humor that Christians have like Uh tried and failed at of trying to force a joke or a satire that kind of thing that it's actually it can be really brief just kind of a wink a nod a reference a tweet and you can kind of be like that's enough I get it that's funny on its own
1: yeah it's like the ultimate inside jokes in part it's funny because it kind of feels wrong
3: Because we all grew
1: up in this, like, you know, a lot of us, like, in these very square, like, evangelical cultures. And so it kind of feels like blaspheming a little bit. Mm -hmm. Barely crossing the line, but it definitely feels like,
0: we're not supposed to say that. Well, that's something that (laughs) Matthew Pierce does especially well because he makes a lot of sex puns. Mm -hmm. And so, like, a very earnest tweet will come from Tim Keller or
3: another stuff about being on your knees anytime of like oh all christians let's just get on our knees he'll he won't let it go by he can't he can't let it go by
1: (laughs) the crazy thing to me about weird christian twitter though is it it felt like it started out as just a hashtag or like what you were kind of describing but now it's like this whole formal network. I mean, there's like lists and people get added to it. It's kind of blown up into a thing that I can't even like wrap my head around. Yeah.
3: And there's people I think who belong to it who would embrace the movementness of it. And then Mm -hmm. I think there are some people who take it so lightly, which I think is part of it. So I think like the more it gets organized, it might lose kind of some of the core mm-hmm. essence of what it is, which is like mm-hmm. not caring. I think it's a big part of, mm-hmm. of, of really not taking yourself super seriously mm-hmm. um, to the to the point that it would need that. But on the other hand, I mean, especially for weirdos within a weird culture, there's a real solidarity and like finding mm-hmm. like-mindedness of like, oh, mm-hmm. these people had the same things going through their mind when this was happening. These people are willing to be silly and say it that yeah it can be lonely to be like Christian adults or even to be even in your church you might not feel like everybody is kind of like on the same wavelength but Twitter really puts it out there and so you can kind of say okay um there are other people who are like me and and these people are like crowdfunding Mm -hmm. for one another and supporting each other's projects there's been some marriages mm -hmm. or like at least
1: some dates happening at a weird Christian Twitter yeah, so there's mm-hmm. a real
3: like um mm-hmm. win-win uh, build each other up and and care. So you know these are our good-heartedness and and even yeah, I think even when it does turn critical, it, it's not out for blood, you know, that that there's a lightness I think to it, which is which is I think the appeal, the idea that where what other places mm-hmm. do we find or what other groups do you have where you really feel like hey, this is safe. Even within Christian Twitter, I feel like there are a lot of lines that you can cross and all of a sudden you get attacked and it feels like that there's, there's less of those, of those boundary lines, even theologically, you know, that it it ranges from evangelicals to ex-evangelicals, you know, to whoever else um, Hmm. participating. Thank you so much for joining us. This was such a fun conversation. This was fun. I will say, I feel like I have to admit that I am a not a member not a certified member of um weird christian twitter i don't think Mm -hmm. so just in case people think i'm posing as an expert from the inside i am a lurker to it i was Mm -hmm. not yeah because i wasn't raised in the faith. it's more like informative to me or funny for people to be like i thought that was weird i'm glad you also think it is weird it's good Mm -hmm. acknowledgement but yeah, not a lot of these things are like native to my understanding. So I'm I'm observing from the outside, but it, it's been encouraging and fun to watch. So thanks for letting me lurk, Matthew and everybody else. Um, yeah. <laughs> thanks, Kate. Yes, thank you, Kate. Thank you.
0: So to
1: introduce our guest today, the king of weird Christian Twitter, it's probably best to read you some of his tweets.
0: We should note, we can't actually read all of Matthew Pierce's tweets on air. Uh, You don't have to scroll his feed long to see that there is a PG-13 vibe (laughs) to his online persona. Think like awkward, hormonal boys from your youth group in 1998.
1: Yeah. And youth group features prominently in Matthew's tweets. For example, a recent tweet. Me and my homeschool crew pouring Josiah another shot of juicy juice and whispering Reliant K lyrics into his ear to get him hyped up to go into hobby lobby and talk to the girl in the fabric department with the ankle-length skirt. There are so many inside jokes packed into one tweet.
0: <laughs> Did you have a Josiah in your No, in your youth group? but I I I get it. It's it's all yeah. there.
1: Here's another one. I will burn in hell before I recognize the teen volunteers at VBS as a spiritual authority. Your lanyards mean nothing to me. I lived through the 90s.
0: <laughs> Matthew tweets a lot about Awana uh uh-huh, curriculum, sword drills. And I actually think he probably knows the Bible extremely well because of mm-hmm. his upbringing. He recently tweeted to Tim Keller directly and asked... One
1: of his favorite tricks...
0: Yes, he likes to try to engage Tim Keller, Al Mohler, John Piper, some of the untouchable. Yes, he says, Tim Keller, which of Noah's sons do you think had to check all the privates of the animals to make sure there was a boy one and a girl one on the ark? Probably Shem, huh? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just imagining like Tim Keller trying to respond to this earnestly. Like, what is he gonna say? Exactly. I
1: mean, he's like he's we love Tim Keller. Tim <laughs> Keller, come join our podcast sometime. We have a lot of questions for you. But yeah, I just, in his suit and tie and button up, like it's hard to imagine him being like, yeah, maybe Shem? I don't, oh, ah,
0: mm, I don't know. Actually, I seem to recall Tim Keller responding to Matthew Pierce once and saying, I did not laugh.
1: <laughs> oh, no,
0: <laughs> Tim. <laughs> just like, okay, fair enough. If you're getting lightly trolled by this guy in. And- in Alabama.
1: Matthew Pierce is, in addition to being the king of Weird Christian Twitter, the co host of the Fun Sexy Bible Time podcast and author of the new book, Evangelical Thought Leader The Liturgy of Radically Engaging the Culture of Paradigm Shifts.
0: Matthew swears he has a normal, boring job. Welcome, Matthew.
2: Hello. What's up, ladies?
0: Matthew, I would say Roxy and I mostly know you from. Twitter, where you've been making us laugh about our evangelical upbringings for a long time. So why don't you start by telling us, you know, Christianity Today heralded you as the king of weird Christian Twitter. What made you jump on and want to start subtweeting Al Mohler and Tim Keller?
2: Uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, like, I never really set out for that, but, (laughs) you know, it's. Crippling depression will will do some things <laughs> for you. And <laughs> one of the things is that it sort of twists your humor a little bit. So I never really set out to be a weird Christian Twitter joke guy. But, you know, I went through a couple phases of trying one thing, trying another. And people seemed to really enjoy it when I talked about my life as a homeschooler. And uh, from there, that just sort of branched out into Twitter of just all these you know esoteric Christian references that people can recognize and be like, oh, there was another one. I'm not the only one. I think God gives us humor as a gift for the valleys. And when things get really dark, humor is one of the things that helps us. And I think I came out of that valley and had more humor than when I started. Let's just put it that way.
0: Going back to the aforementioned crippling depression, was that related (laughs) to? let's. Was that related to <laughs> things going on in the church, or was that a separate personal thing oh, entirely? No, I don't, I don't care about
2: that stuff. This was all personal. Uh, yeah, I sort of went to school to be a very serious professional person, and actually did that for a few years, and then yeah, lost my job through not really any fault of my own. It was just a, the economy turned, and all of the specific jobs that I was in dried up where I was at and back was Alabama. I was blogging a little bit and tweeting a little bit. Uh, you know, just things were just a mess. You know, we had no money. The family was on food stamps and it just felt like we were losing everything. I was a total failure and uh, Jen Hatmaker picked up one of my posts and amplified it and I've sold like, this is right as I had released the Kindle book homeschool sex machine. <laughs> and sold like two, like immediately sold two hundred copies. Like as soon oh, as she wow. amplified it, you got
0: the hat maker bump.
2: Well, the Hatmaker bump paid our mortgage that month. So like that was that was sort of like the beginning of things getting better. So shout, shout out to Jen Hatmaker.
1: Why do you think people resonate so much, or just that sort of brand of humor that you're going for? What do you think it is that you know just make people giggle along?
2: I think. Christians are horny <laughs> and
0: can confirm.
2: <laughs> yeah. There's just, there's some repression built in. And I don't even mean that like in a pejorative way of like railing against the system. It's just, you know, it's just who we are We're repressed. And so when somebody gets on and tweets jokes about bosoms, I think it just sort of, there's like a release and everybody can just kind of laugh because he said it. I didn't say it. He said it. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I've noticed like, I mean, You'll bring it into the most, <laughs> to the most unexpected contexts, like <laughs> trolling Al Mohler or responding to a very earnest Beth Moore tweet with <laughs> a joke out of the blue about youth group, sex culture. And I think that's part of like it just it does like lift the tension and everybody goes, Oh, there he is, teasing Beth more. And then she like laughs along.
0: I think part of what it helps too is that in addition to Christians being a repressed people group, they can also be extremely earnest mm. and like we take self like very seriously. And You know, earnest spirituality is generally a good thing, but I do think it helps to have someone come along and poke at it a little bit. There's a sex joke. Um,
2: (laughs) That's what what she prayed. Um,
0: And just generally help us have a little bit more levity about our own lives and about ourselves and our spirituality.
2: It's all about the tone. You know, I wouldn't necessarily want to get on and hear like somebody in all seriousness talking about how horny they are, how much they want to have sex. Like that, that, that that's good. I don't need that. But, you know, if you're doing it like in a real innocent sort of amateurish way of like almost like a middle schooler sitting in the back mm-hmm. pew, there's,
3: mm-hmm. there's
2: a sort of innocence to it where I, I think, I hope that comes through where it's, it's like tee hee hee. Some, you know,
0: well, somebody. I feel like yeah. your Twitter persona is like, a middle school youth mm-hmm. group guy. Like I, I went to youth group with the Twitter persona of Matthew Pierce. <laughs> and I think that's why a lot of people our age, like, you know, evangelicals or ex evangelicals who grew up in the church, our millennials resonate because they're like, Oh yeah, I definitely knew that guy. And remember how weird it was. Like just a guy, there was always a guy named Josiah. And there was always a guy who showed up to youth group barefoot
1: yeah Um. yeah (laughs) he led worship
0: why was that (laughs) i think it was that they were standing on hollowed ground oh sure yeah and they didn't want their air jordans to get in the way of that holiness but talk a little bit about you mentioned that you were homeschooled what was your upbringing like like where did you grow up what kind of church did you grow up in what were some of the weirder aspects of your upbringing
2: uh it was right at the intersection of uh Charismatic Christianity and homeschool paranoia, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like early early Uh nineties. Janet Reno is coming to take us away. Homeschool paranoia, yes, Mm. yeah. And the charismatic, you know, Frank Peretti, demons everywhere, coming to get us. That kind of church background. So it was, as you can tell, it was a lot of fun. It was a blast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, we would go see Carmen in concert. So there was like a little bit of you know, I don't want to say freedom, but we would go to that side. But then we would swing back the other way of, you know, we don't we don't participate in Halloween. That's Satan's night
0: mm. kind of thing. Are you saying that Carmen was like, letting loose going to see Carmen was like, ooh,
1: <laughs> Carmen was your liberal. Fun. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, yes, that's a short answer. It's really hard to be a fundamentalist at a Carmen concert when he's you know, when he's doing raps <laughs> and he's got backup dancers Dangerous. flying over the stage. So there's a little bit of overlap, but then it's, you know, that's the Venn diagram. There is some separation there, too. I don't think you see a ton of, like, KJV-only people at Carmen shows.
0: Yeah, mm. he was the OG. <laughs> yeah.
1: Would you call satire your spiritual gift? Like, do you think it's a calling from God?
2: I mean, I guess. Like, you seem to be pretty good at making Christians <laughs> laugh and... I think we need more of that. It's chic to kind of dump on the Babylon Bee and and things like that. And it's, to be fair, it's not always my cup of tea. But Mm -hmm. I try to be very careful about dissing other Christians who attempt humor because it's not easy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. It's a a tough crowd.
1: When does sort of satire go too far, do you think? Do you have some rules that you kind of go by or that you think about in terms of like, how do I keep it from being insidious or poisonous or
2: icky? I don't really think it can go too far. That's the good thing about joke; Like, it's just not funny. Okay. Like, if you go too far, it's just not funny. Like, nobody's mm-hmm. nobody's going to die. It's just a joke. But for myself, I mean, I do have rules for myself. I try to not be mean, and mm-hmm. I try to not be partisan.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And certainly, you know, you can make jokes about one side or the other, but I just think it ruins the joke a lot of times. Like, if it feels like I'm trying to push people one way or another. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, it does. Actually, that's really interesting to me that if you take it too far, it's just not funny. That's an astute observation.
2: (laughs) Thanks.
0: Well, to go back to the Babylon Bee, which I have not really laughed at in a long time, I would say one difference between what they're trying to do and what you're doing is that you're helping Christians laugh at themselves in a way that feels like, ultimately, like, an embrace, whereas the Babylon Bee feels very much, like, us against them and punching up at, like, I don't know, well-known Democrats or something. Like, (laughs) (laughs) C. Oh, yeah, they're obsessed. They're their favorite. I don't know. It just, it feels like what you're trying to do is something laughing with rather than laughing at. Like, it's very clear that you are part of the people that you're making fun of rather than, over and against those other people
2: yeah and part of it's self-preservation too because my political and theological beliefs are pretty horrifying and just kind of scattered everywhere so i don't know it's it's probably for everyone's benefit that i just keep some of those to (laughs) myself
0: do you have people who are like worried about your salvation because you joke about boners
2: other than my mom (laughs) no i mean that's that's kind of why i do jokes like that because there's a group of christians uh probably the majority if we're being honest that just aren't gonna have any fun on twitter anyway so (laughs) they're they're the ones that are gonna see that and go the other way and not pay any attention to me so it's probably best to just get them out of the way right off the bat (laughs) so the rest of us can have fun
1: so how do you crippling anxiety or having your like pride affected on a daily basis?
2: Well, what do you mean? What do you mean by that?
1: <laughs> well, like, you know, like, I think I get a little anxious every time I put a tweet out. I'm like, <gasps> what if somebody gets mad? What if they don't like it? <laughs> what if nobody even sees it or they, you know, argue with me? Like, I don't know. I get I get a lot of anxiety around it. How do you avoid that?
2: <laughs> <laughs> by tweeting about boners. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
1: I don't think anybody would resonate with me if I tweeted about butters.
0: They'd be like, what happened? Well, they'd be like, Oh, Roxy's trying to do a Matthew Pierce thing. Yeah, <laughs>
1: it would. you're right. I would just seem derivative.
2: Yeah. I mean, sometimes I catch myself being like, Oh, is this going to land? Is this one going to land? And it's like, all right, you just need to do something really stupid now. Cause you need to cleanse the palate. Cause you were taking this way too seriously. Okay.
0: When you're not, On Twitter, and hopefully you're not on it for like several hours a day. Although I'd not be one to critique anyone for doing that. (laughs) How are you spending your time? Like, what do you do? What do you like in real life?
2: Uh, I am, I'm 100 percent uninteresting. (laughs) I'm just an absolute social non-factor. I'm sullen, gloomy and extremely awkward in real life Mm -hmm. nothing nothing like i am on twitter as
1: all the great writers really are
2: yeah i there's a there's a part of me that never really advanced past awkward homeschooler but that's just always who i'm gonna be Mm -hmm. Uh, and i've i've incorporated some other things into my personality like you know played sports so i've got a little bit of a jock in me you know i've got kids now so i've got the dad the dad rage rage inside me
0: what is dad rage
2: Dad rage is uh, when you're repairing the car and you like scrape your knuckle and it starts bleeding and like you just filled with like all of the like the fire of your unmet life goals. It just comes (laughs) rushing out of you and you realize that you're turning into your own father and you'll be dead soon. And like you just get like this supercharged adrenaline and you start swearing like the dad in A Christmas Story Mm -hmm. and you start punching whatever it is that you're trying to to work on and then – Then you come down, and then you fix it, and then everything's fine.
1: And then you remember how much you love your kids and your life, and how fulfilling everything is.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and then the next day you're wondering, "Man, what?" I got more
0: of a like fearing your own mortality vibe from what you just said.
2: (laughs) Well, that's what feels it. You realize that, like, uh, you realize exactly how many of your goals are going to go unmet, and it just (laughs) (laughs) fills you with rage. And uh, and you then you come down, eventually.
0: Well, despite your rage. <laughs> we 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 appreciate you speaking with us today. And we hope that you keep working through your rage and fear of mortality on Twitter because mm-hmm. it continuously brings us a lot of joy.
2: Makes us giggle. Oh well definitely. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: <laughs> for sure. And good luck with with your book and um with your career as an evangelical thought leader. Four our listeners who are now very intrigued by your sex jokes on Twitter. Tell them where to find you and how to get your book.
2: Well, book is on Amazon uh, in Kindle and hardcover and they can find me on Twitter at desiring God. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> you find me, uh, Matthew E. Pierce on Twitter. Look for the giraffe. Look for the giraffe. The purple giraffe. giraffe.
1: And if you want to laugh, readers, listeners, become readers of Matthew's book.
0: Well, that just happened. It does not make me miss youth group. We were all too horned up. (laughs) That is definitely
1: true. And then they fed us Mountain Dew and pizza. (laughs) And And we did (laughs) locked overnight lock-in. And
0: locked us in the church gym for 24 hours by ourselves. What were they thinking? You know, this is all a reminder. We have only our youth group leaders to blame for how we have ended up.
1: Or to thank for the many, many stories.
0: Saved by the City is a Religion News Service production. The producer is Jay Woodward, and the consulting editor is Paul O'Donnell. And we get production assistance from Elizabeth Joy Windham.
1: Chaz Rousseau put together our look, and Martin Fowler wrote our theme music.
0: We are Caitlin Beatty
1: and Roxy Stone. Thanks Thanks for For listening. listening.